All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kular. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. A realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Welcome back, dear listener, to Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard, and this is episode 33 of Powerful, where traditionally I've been interviewing various guests from from a wide range of different sectors and you know different perspectives on this thing called power and life and the last couple of episodes have just been me talking about things that I see in the world and some thoughts that I've got and I'm going to continue with that for this episode as well cuz I I really think it's worthwhile for us to dig in to some of the figments of our own imagination and how they show up in the world. And so it's going to be a little bit of a, maybe a bit of an esoteric or a bit of a theoretical journey today, but I really hope that you stick with it. And I hope that you consider deeply some of the things that I'm going to talk about and some of the questions that I'm going to ask you to consider to, to hunt for answers for, because these questions about what's real and what's in our imagination, what is objective and what is subjective really show up all day, every day. They're in the news media, they're in our relationships, they're in how we perceive ourselves and the people around us. And being able to separate fact from fiction and to recognize what is just your perspective based on your life experiences and a set of operating principles that maybe you've picked up along the way. And what is objectively true, uh, well, that seems like a pretty important distinction in a day and age of fake news. We're being bombarded by this idea of fake news. Um, and certainly propaganda has been with us for, you know, since we started to organize ourselves into politics and religion. And so, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to dig into that today. And as usual, I would love it if you share this podcast with, with people. If you find it interesting or find it helpful, please give it a share. And if you hop on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a rating or a review, that's always much appreciated. It helps me reach a wider audience and have a bigger impact in the world. And let's kick today's show off with a distinction between what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about objectivity and subjectivity. And in order to understand those two concepts, we need to dig it into both of them a little bit. And so let's let's take the easy one. Let's take this idea of objectivity and this idea of objects. And the difference between an object and a construct, which we'll talk about in a second, is that an object is existing in the physical world. And so you might be out and about outside your house walking down a trail and you see a tree and you can interact with that tree in the physical world. You can touch it and you can, you can smell it. You can like, there is, it's there. There's no denying it. If you're out with somebody else, you're both going to see the same tree, right? Rocks, tables, vehicles, you know, 
rain on your face. These are objective things. These are these are this is matter. This is these are things that you can interact with in the and like I said in the physical world in a physical sense. And that's different than something like a construct which is really just language and an idea. And so we have an idea and we wrap some language around it so that we can communicate that idea and hope to get to a place of shared understanding with someone. And so let's take something like success. You know, we're all going to have a very different idea of what success looks like. In the Western world, certainly there's a picture of success that you see on the front of the magazine or in the documentary, or you look up to entrepreneurs or billionaires or athletes or musicians, and you can say that person is successful because of a certain set of criteria. Uh, but that's just a construct, right? It's just an idea, and we've put a label on it. We've ascribed a label to a set of ideas, and that's called a construct. And it's very different than an object. So we have constructs and we have objects. Objects, again, exist in the physical world, and they're pretty hard to deny the reality of, right? Rock is a rock, tree is a tree, right? If it's raining, it's raining, right? Facts, you know, things that we should be able to agree on. As soon as we get into the world of constructs, it can be really challenging to get to a sense of shared understanding or what I like to call mutuality, right? A mutual understanding, a shared definition of what we mean when we say a certain thing, right? What do we mean by success? What do we mean by respect or love or power? Right? These are these are just things that you know we've ascribed words to, and they carry a certain sense of a meaning. Um, but we have to actually have to dig into them to figure out what do they actually mean to me? What do they mean to you? And do we have a shared understanding of them? And this is probably the most critical conversation that we have in society right now: is getting to a place of a shared understanding of subjective experiences and what that means for us as humans as we go about our day interacting with each other and trying to build a fair and equitable and just world in which all people um, are treated fairly and are able to thrive in the most meaningful way that they can. You know, that's certainly something that's important to me. And when it comes to this objectivity versus subjectivity, what ends up happening sometimes is that we mistake the two. We mistake our subjective reality, the things that we think based on the how we've experienced life and the, the set of, like I said, operating principles that we might carry with us, we mistake our own perspective for objective truth. And then we get surprised and shocked and confused when other people don't agree with us or don't have that same subjective experience because they can't because they have a very different set of operating principles, life experiences, and language that they might use to describe the experience that they're having or the things that they're feeling. Right. And so we're constantly faced with this conundrum of figuring out like what is objective truth in a post truth world, in a world in which objective data, you know, hard numbers that are coming out of various places, you know, COVID nineteen is a perfect example of what of this, is there's there's objective truth. There's people who are being diagnosed with the disease, there are people who are dying with the disease, and yet getting yourself to a place or being able to find accurate numbers and a, and a consistent narrative about what's happening is next to impossible. And to pick up the thread from the last couple of podcasts where we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and this idea of status power and racism and oppression, um, this idea of subjectivity and objectivity becomes really important because take, for example, a white male. I'm a white male, and I like to believe that I'm not racist, right? 
although I live in a racist society, and I'm certainly a beneficiary of a racist system that's gone on for hundreds of years. To say that racism, because I'm, I don't feel racist, because I don't you know, believe that the white race is superior to any other race, is to believe often, is to confuse that subjectivity, my subjective experience of not being racist, with the idea that racism must therefore not exist, right? Is to confuse the two, is to take my subjective experience and to project it out into the world as though it's objective truth. And so today I wanted to tackle a couple of these constructs, a couple of these subjectivities that we don't actually have agreement on in society. We have very different definitions about. And one of these I actually talked about in one of the the very first podcasts that I did, uh, where I did a little bit of a breakdown on this idea of grit and growth mindset, particularly grit, this Angela Duckworth's concept. Um, Grit is one of those things, this idea that the key to success is to just be able to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and be able to persevere, a sense of perseverance through adversity, right? That's a very privileged concept when you actually stop and think about it. And it's actually rooted in probably the biggest myth of them all, the the most dangerous construct that Western society has ever come across. And it's this idea of hyper-individualism. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. And if I haven't, well, buckle up, because it's one that I've got my sights set on as probably the most pervasive and most dangerous and most damaging myths that we've ever created. This idea of the individual, the rugged individual. And it's very stereotypical of Western societies, and it certainly fits the settler colonial narrative that we have here in North America, which was, you know, built on the backs of hardworking pioneers. And the myth goes something like this, that you are an individual, and you are 100% responsible for your own successes and failures. And that if you find yourself in a tough spot, you just need to find your bootstraps and pick yourself up by them and get on with it. And We'll point to lots of shining star examples. We'll point to the, the Bill Gateses of the world and the Elon Musks and the Steve Jobs and the people who have risen above the pack in either an entrepreneurial pursuit or in politics or sport or war heroes, but we'll very much hyper-individualize it, right? And so we won't talk about the Chicago Bulls that won a, a string of championships. We'll talk about Michael Jordan. Right? We won't talk about the team at SpaceX. We'll talk about Elon Musk. Right? We won't talk about the civil rights movement. We'll talk about Martin Luther King Jr. Right? We tend to glorify and amplify the individual over the collective in an effort to perpetuate this myth, this, this stereotype, this story, this narrative that we have that it's all about the individual and therefore it's all about you right? and your life. And we live our lives as if we're the center of the universe. And I know I'm certainly guilty of this. And so anything I say on this podcast is because, you know, I've had to look in the mirror and I've had to say, hmm, is this actually true? Am I the center of the universe? And of course, as soon as we ask ourselves that question, quite obviously we're not. We're we're a piece of a much bigger, more complex puzzle and a a piece of systems, these human systems that we've built um, that are filled with a bunch of different types of relationships and interactions and serendipities. And this narrative is so much bigger than we make it out to be. And I think that maybe that's one of the appeals to this foundational myth, this construct that we've built around this individualistic narrative in Western society. I think we've done it because it's easy. 
right? It's actually, it's just a lot easier to look at the world and simplify it down to, well, it's everybody for themselves, right? The strong survive, the survival of the fittest. So here's my first challenge to you on this podcast is to do a little bit of a reflection on turning points in your life. And I describe a turning point as one of those critical moments, one of those moments that you look back on. We probably all have a handful of them where life dramatically accelerated into something new or it took a turn into something different. And so I can think of a few examples and I'll unpack one here for you to kind of really hopefully paint a picture of this, this why this idea of individualism is a bit of a myth, right? And this is actually probably the single most important thing that ever happened to me, right? So very much a powerful turning point in my life. And I was 20 years old and I was in university and I decided around Christmas time that I was going to apply to be a wildland firefighter. I was doing ecotourism and outdoor leadership as a degree program. And some of my friends had been wildland firefighters in previous seasons and had really talked it up. It was a great job, you know, lots of physical fitness. It was good pay. You got to repel out of helicopters into forest fires. What could be cooler than that for a 20 year old guy? Right. And so I did some training and I applied and I got accepted to go through the interview process and through the application process, which involved a physical and a, a mental exam and a, an interview. And so I did a lot of training and didn't do nearly enough actually learning about forest fires and fire behavior and things that you'd be asked on an interview. Well, to cut a long story short, I didn't get the job. I passed the physical with flying colors and I bombed the interview. Um, Again, probably worth knowing something about fires and fire behavior if you want to be a wildland firefighter. But that's beside the point of this story. This story is about what happened after the fact and how serendipitous the world really is. And if this myth of individualism was really true, then these series of events wouldn't have happened. And so it turns out that not getting this job was the single most important turning point in my career and my life. Because instead of fighting forest fires in the northern bush of Alberta uh, that summer, I went and worked at a summer camp for kids and adults with disabilities and suffering from a, a wide range of different illnesses and diseases uh, with the Easter Seals program. And it was this summer that I actually met my wife now of... 13 years. I had to think about it for a second. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. Uh, 13 years we've been married, but we've been together since you know, almost 20 years, probably 17 or 18 years now. And so I, I met my wife at this summer camp, and I also fell in love with this idea of therapeutic adventure and therapeutic recreation. And it was a, a huge turning point for me in my career. I went on to work for a dozen years in addictions treatment, and it still informs a lot of the work that I do in the nonprofit, the healthcare, the education, and even in corporate uh, um, a lot of it is rooted in the fundamentals of things I learned in that journey. A journey that if I had had it my way, never would have happened. Right? If it had been left up to me and my individual choices and this idea that I'm 100% responsible for, you know, my, the wins and the losses, you know, I would never would have had that experience because that experience was kickstarted by somebody else who interviewed me for a job and then didn't give me the job. And then I had to go and interview with somebody else and they had to see something in me and give me that job, right? And then I had to meet my wife and she had to see something in me to agree to go on that first date and, you know, the, the subsequent dates after that, right? And so, of course, I'm not 
entirely responsible for everything that happens to me. It's an interaction. It's a set of relationships that we're all in with each other and with the world that determine our fate and determine the experience that we have. And then those experiences accumulate over time and they turn into worldviews and paradigms and perspectives, our subjective reality. And that's really what this podcast is about, is about the subjective reality and the intersection between my subjective reality, the things that I've experienced and the, the beliefs that I carry with me and the values that I have about the world and how I perceive the world and how I explain it and understand it and how you do the same. And so what does this all mean in the bigger scheme of things, uh, this idea of objectivity versus subjectivity? Well, it means that when we're talking about subjective things, when we're talking about constructs, when we're talking about figments of our imagination or figments of our experiences, uh, there is no truth, or at least there's no capital T truth. There's agreement and there's disagreement. There's what's useful, what moves us forward in a shared direction, and there's what's not useful, unhelpful, the things that keep us stuck in the status quo, right? And so when we're having conversations about things like race and racism or sex and sexism, uh, gender issues, any of the isms that you might find in society uh, where we're really talking about people's identities and experiences of each other, right? keeping in mind that it actually doesn't matter what my perspective is when I'm in the majority, when I'm in a position of power, um, my perspective isn't the one that's missing in the conversation. It, it is the conversation. It's the only thing that we're talking about is my experience. And so I need to actually just shut up and listen and allow somebody else to describe to me what their experience is like, what their perspective is on the issues at hand so that we can find a space that we can get to a sense of mutuality, right? A sense of agreement on, you know, we can have different experiences, but we can agree on what we want to do, the kind of world we want to live in or create together, and we can move forward with that objective in mind. So I think I'll actually wrap it up there today. We're almost at the 20 minute mark, and I'm trying to keep these a little bit shorter, kind of one concept at a time uh, for you to reflect on. And so that's your reflection today is the idea of objectivity versus subjective, and to maybe examine or re-examine some of these things that you hold to be really, really true, that when you actually hold them up and shine some light on them, they're actually just figments of your imagination. They're things that have come about because of the experiences that you've had and the language that you've ascribed to the experiences you've had to make meaning out of it, to, to make sense of the things that you think about in the world and how you make sense of it, right? And I'd encourage you to look a little closer at the myth of being an individual, this individualistic myth that we carry with us that's rooted pretty strongly into the DNA of Western society, uh, which is that kind of grit and growth and resiliency, and it's all about the individual, and you just got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and, and life will be better. I want you to examine that. I want you to hold that one particularly a bit more loosely, because I think it might actually be at the root of a lot of the dysfunctions that we see in society. Right, and that's for another podcast, and we'll talk about that down the road. Uh, but for the meantime, thanks again for listening. It really is a pleasure to uh, spend a little bit of time with you every week or every couple of weeks and to talk about the things that are most important that, that are happening in the world and that are happening for you right now. And I think that this one is, is particularly important. So again, thanks for joining me. And if you can take a minute to share this podcast or drop me a rating or a review on iTunes or your 
favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, It helps me reach a wider audience and, and that helps me have a bigger impact in the world. So thanks so much and I'll talk to you soon.